It's time again for the British Haunting Podcast. This week, Christmas special. Ding dong. Merry Christmas, Dan. Merry Christmas, Steve. Uh, Merry Christmas, listeners. Um, We are joining you again uh, from remote locations because uh, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you will know that we're in the UK here. We are still under lots of different types of lockdowns and we've just gone under another one. Uh, We're under a new tier four, so we feel very exclusive. Do you feel exclusive, Dan? I do. I like the fact that they've powered it up to 11. It's like a spinal <laughs> spinal tap sort of thing. This one only goes up to ten. This one goes up to eleven. Oh, crap. I'm ready. Yeah, we yeah. we're still not quite sure what it means for us, but all we know is is that we are uh, we are speaking again, as we said, from from re- remote locations. So please bear with us. Um, we've had some technological gremlins actually just trying to get this one started today so we've gone we've gone to start several times um my phone was going up the blink uh, there's some noise right there dan i can hear it that was it that was uh, charles dickens ghost actually <laughs> so there's there's proof okay some people go oh we need some proof on here i don't believe you're seeing ghosts well that was a ghost in this speaker uh, that was a direct time. relation <laughs> I understand you've had some issues with your computer as well, Dan. Yeah, it decided that Chrome wasn't good enough and closed on me. And then I tried to click it several times and it said new. Um, oh. And then a moment ago, it just said, here you go. Would you like a fresh page? No, oh. I, want, I want what I had. Yeah. Good? Well, the, if you ask nicely for Christmas, Chrome might give it to you. Uh. Dan, should we tell uh, the listeners what uh, they're in store for today? Yeah, go on. Tell me. Okay. Tell us. Tell everybody. Right. So Christmas special. How on earth can we talk about hauntings and Christmas at the same time? Well, this week we are revolving our discussion around what are arguably England's most famous ghosts. That's right. The terrifying spirits of the Victorian Dickensian A Christmas Carol. Now, for the three people left on planet Earth that haven't seen A Christmas Carol or Scrooge, um, here's a quick rundown of Charles Dickens' history-changing novel. So essentially, you've got that uh, uh, evil kind of misley man, Ebenezer Scrooge. Basically, he's a a scrupulous, you could say, for a positive way, businessman, but he's also very, very mean mean-hearted business uh, person and he uh he shortchanges everyone he cuts corners here and there and he's very very greedy and wrongs a lot of people and uh some spirits decide to visit him um to make him change his ways of all times at christmas and this is all instigated at one point by his former business part partner um marley who uh who comes along and uh is uh, bearing the weight of his own sins and tries to warn Scrooge of his uh, his own impending doom. Um, w- w- you say, is there anything to add to that, Dan? Dan, are you there? We seem to have lost Dan. Dan's. I, I'm hoping Dan hasn't actually just completely disappeared. Um, he may be running off for an emergency, but either way, he's gone. Um, and it says he's connected. Very, very strange. Um 
but that that's basically what uh, what happens um, when you let ghosts start ruining your electronic equipment. Um, so I'm going to using the power of um, editing. I'm going to see if I can get hold of Dan again. He might even be able to hear me. He's probably shouting. I can hear you, Steve. I can hear you. But you know, maybe Boris Johnson, in his uh, infinite kindness, might be able to supply we, me with new podcast recording equipment for Christmas. Who knows? So I've got my digital uh, invisible Ouija board here. I wouldn't recommend using a real one, but I'm going to use it and try and see if I can connect with Dan. Dan, are you there? Are Hello. you there? Hello. I can I can hear you. You're coming oh. through clearly. Oh, finally. <laughs> Do you, you know what it's, you know what it's like here? <laughs> oh, crikey. It might take till Christmas to actually get this one out. Who knows? Right. So back on track. We're ready. Charles Dickens, history changing novel. Yes. So uh, so he, he changed he changed Christmas, uh, not just in the UK, but really for much of the Western developed world uh, with that one. Obviously, that what's of interest to us in this is his visitations by ghosts, because obviously they were very, very symbolic um, of a particular, you know, particular uh, things going on and how people viewed the uh, the other world in the Victorian period. Absolutely, yeah. Shall we uh, take a look at the context? We could do, yes. Yeah. There's that strange noise again, Dan. I'm getting it. It's coming through horribly. Um, it's <laughs> gone. <laughs> oh, wow. You really broke up there. It was brilliant. Oh. Um, <sighs> uh, right. Is that, your, is that your microphone that's causing that? I've got no idea. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> um just... I don't think we're going to be able to make it without it dying today. No, no, we're uh, so we should just power we, through, is what I'm saying. Well, I think I think we should, shouldn't we? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, listeners, you are hearing um, how me and Dan cope with emergencies here. We'd probably go and put the kettle on and and have a little think about it for a while. And uh, yeah, it seems quite apt at the moment, really, uh, with us being British making a tea. Incidentally, and I make a point of that because the. Uh, I was looking at the demographics that we're getting in for the listeners on this, and I would like to say a huge thank you to obviously our, our listeners in the UK, but to the many, many other people from many other parts of the world. Um, quite astounded, really, that we've got so many listeners coming in from uh, from pretty much every continent, barring Antarctica. So, you know, I, I'm not mind you, I'm not sure if we've got anyone from Australia at the moment. I might be wrong. No, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not yet, not yet. Not yet. So, uh, need to be so anyway, we, we've we've got you know we want we want to get through this with um essentially a, a Victorian Christmas in many ways, but we're you know we're looking at um the uh the ghosts from from Scrooge, and the reason why we're doing that, as we said, is is not just because of their meaning, but uh, because the way that they viewed ghosts um and and understood them um, ties into so much with the way that we understand the supernatural in the current era, particularly around when it comes to things like um, big spooky houses, you know, most of them are based on Victorian mansion design because they were intentionally quirky and just not just their outside design, but also their interior design. And it led people to run wild with their imagination, including um, obviously Charles Dickens. So um, while contemporary audiences most often associate ghosts with Halloween, the cold and dark of winter was basically an ominous time full of mystery for the Victorians. So the, the chilling winds and freezing temperatures were incredibly dangerous for the many impoverished people who lacked proper clothes and shelter. 
Uh, with cures for many common illnesses inaccessible or just simply not yet discovered, winter was frequently accompanied by death. And so whilst uh, efforts at holiday cheer brought some degree of warmth and festivity, the grey landscape and quiet nights dominated Victorian imagination. Um, when Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol, uh, he capitalised on this by using ghosts as an impactful symbols to communicate his message uh, and provoke changes in his characters and audience is alike. Uh, the resulting tale is a powerful ghost story of Christmas. Um, the original text of which Dickens prefaced in uh, actually back in December 1843, where he says, I have endeavoured in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea which shall not put my readers out of humour with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with me. May it haunt their houses pleasantly and no wish, no one wished to lay it. Was that good, Dad? That was. That was like Dickens was in the room. <laughs> You've had chats with him, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, I was just with him a minute ago. You and he's, uh, he's very approving of this whole podcast thing, really enjoying it. If, if he could not approve so much, though, because he, I think he might be making the uh, digital equipment go a bit um, arse over tits. Beggars so. can't be choosers. That's it. Um, in in the book, though, going back to the book, uh, aside from Marley, who we'll talk about a little bit later, there are three three main ghosts. Um, as a uh, Christmas Carol is a work of fiction, each ghost is representative of a deeper meaning. So let's unpack each ghost, their meaning, maybe have a look at how they appear in real life um, through ghosts in our own homes and, and lives. You got that first ghost, Dan? I have. I'm ready. Okay. I had to squirrel a page. It was really arduous. When you're a, <laughs> when you're a ghost, you can't. You have to really press it. I mean, we've seen on the the documentary ghosts. Yes. Um, the ghost of Christmas past <laughs> represents memory. She shows Scrooge events from his past in hopes of shedding light on how Scrooge can become a better person, I guess, but also how um, he became bitter and miserly to remind him that he was not always that way. If mm. If the ghost can help Scrooge remember who he once was, there may be hope for him in the future. Yeah, I think that's uh, that that's a lesson for us all, there, isn't it? Really? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I I fond memory. Oh, so fond memories might be some kind of sadomasochistic thing going on there. I have memories, just memories, no emotion attached to them. Of like my mum telling me to tidy my room when I was younger, you know, so that I might become a cleaner and tidier person. Um, and it's. You know, it worked for a while when I was getting pocket money. So. Why did your mum sound like Dickens? <laughs> well, it was because of her giant sideburns and the fact that she was born in 1843. Oh, there you go. Are you saying that they were one and the same, actually? <laughs> your mum is well, Dickens. She, well, knowing my mum, and uh, Dan does know my mum, she is everyone and no one at the same time. Oh, so, she but, really is. She's here right now. <laughs> well, my, for the listeners at home, she's not dead. <laughs> my my mum never haunted me or showed me what I could have been or anything like that. Not, not in any way to sort of prompt me to tidy my room. Anyway, that we would have considered that a bit much. <laughs> Can you imagine that though? If it would have been a really disappointing novel, wouldn't it? If Scrooge was sitting there and the first ghost turned up, and then Scrooge. Your bedroom is a shithole. <laughs> Come on, Charlie. Tidy your room. 
Yeah. Well, it also, it would have been, you know, I think plenty of time would have passed where I would have um, had a dirty or untidy room. So by the 16th time that your mum's all dolled up in ghost makeup to try and prompt you, to, you, you sort of, you're not going to look at it in the same way, are you? Come on, mum, take no. it off. Get the baking powder out of your hair. I don't believe you anymore. <laughs> uh, I'll just touch I'll just tidy it. <laughs> oh, she's getting chills down my spine again. Oh. Uh, oh, should I do the next ghost? There's another one, isn't there? There's, there's another two. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you spoiled this year. Right. Uh, so the next ghost, and talking about, you know, having that as an extra presence, the ghost of Christmas present. Um, but we're talking about present as in like i'm here and now and not um, sort of like you know what you find under the, your christmas tree the ghost of christmas present represents generosity and goodwill uh it's time it's a dude uh he shows scrooge scenes of people sharing what they have with each other even if they have very little uh, this ghost seeks to show Scrooge that the true meaning of the holiday or Christmas period is found in the joy that comes from giving to others and celebrating together. If Scrooge is to change his life, then there is no better time to start than Christmas. You'd think so. Yeah. And that's what mm. this ghost of Christmas present thought. So um, the next one coming up was the ghost of Christmas future, which um, represents the fear of death. This oh, ghost intends to show Scrooge that if he continues in his current ways, there is a reckoning ahead that awaits him. In Ooh. in dying, Jacob Marley paid for his actions on Earth, and if Scrooge doesn't change, he will suffer the same fate. The affection of the Cratchits family hold for one another in um that they hold for one another in the wake of Tiny Tim's death stands in stark contrast to the predictions for Scrooge's future and pushes Scrooge to make a choice. Um, mm. uh, and if, this, if it helps anybody out there, the Cratchit family in the Muppet Christmas Carol, I believe, <laughs> were all Kermit's family. So that really just brings it home to you, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, the, the, the idea of these tiny little frogs being, you know, all, all sort of malnourished and tired from being in the workhouse or whatever i can completely relate yeah okay i well everyone would be able to i don't even know why i'm saying it really frankly it was on everybody's <laughs> mind wasn't it it was that i mean that's that's exactly why they included um uh you know kermit's family as the characters mm. uh in scrooge i reckon it, in some kind of spiritual foresight dickens actually foresaw that oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dickens Dickens originally wrote it like that. The Cratchit family in brackets will be a family of frogs. But um but his editor <laughs> scrubbed it out, so don't be silly, Charlie, what are you doing? <laughs> Quick question for you, Dan. Yes. So um and, and, and this is more, I guess, a hypothetical question really, because we might not know the answer, although you know, you do have Google in front of you, so you might be able to find out. So you you, men you mentioned Tiny Tim in there and yes. his unfortunate death. Yes. Um, it, for again, for listeners outside of the UK, we have a bit of a tradition here um, in England um, and in the UK of uh, of, of na you know sometimes giving people a nickname um, and usually as some kind of descriptor. 
Um, you know, so um, oh, there's Wally Wayne. Um, if you know any Waynes that are Wallies, um, it's probably a poor example. But you've got Tiny Tim. I'm wondering if it, Dickens, in fact, invented that. You know, he, he came up with that um, descriptor of nicknames. So you've got Tiny Tim, and you might might have. Um, uh, what was it, Bob Cratchit? So you might have Bobacious Bob. Um, Bo- yeah, <laughs> Bodacious Bob is that, that again in, in Dickens's original version. Bodacious, but I can't even say the name. It's so fantastic. Bodacious, <laughs> that name <laughs> yeah. was written in the first uh, edit, and the editor said, "No, it's, it's really not. It's not appropriate at all. Yeah. The family are not having a Bodacious time. You know, they're not being excellent to each other." This is not Bill and Ted's excellent carol. <laughs> Here comes Jack the Cracker. I don't know. So it's a, a bit of an interesting one. Dan, are you still there? Do you know what? I heard a little click then, and I think Dan's gone. I'm going to have to get the uh, the spirit, the, the electronic. Sorry, he's back. back. Ele- I thought I was going to have to dig out the electronic Ouija board again then. No, Dan, I think reconnect what, with you. I, was, I was looking at my phone for something. Um, the... <laughs> that might have been it. The the way that we characterise people like Tiny Tim, I, I'm just going off my memory here. You, all of those original 13th and 12th century stories about Robin Hood would have had yeah. similar names in, because obviously you had Little John and so on. So it may be yeah. a similar sort of thing, characterising yeah. people like that, rather than having surnames, because obviously surnames come in a little bit later maybe to, yes. to denote who we are and what we are so yeah because you might have had um like bob the fisher or um yeah Coop, i don't know Coop, coopers and and um butchers etc and then they become surnames don't they yes so, yeah yeah well there we go i'm taking so, a little bit of history there for you tiny tim yeah uh, tiny tim and in the blackadder christmas carol tiny tim is at least 15 stone so uh uh, that's yes, and and is well overfed rather than underfed, uh, as the Blackhead <laughs> yeah. of Christmas Carol ten is splits it turns it on its head. If you want to watch that episode, you should. It's still on iPlayer at the moment. It's uh, it's particularly good. I like that version. It's a good episode. So, do you know what though? I can't think of the Muppets Christmas Carol though without going Marley and Marley. Ooh. I haven't seen it for ages. Oh, have to good. dig it out. This um this discussion obviously it it brings to light the fact that um as mentioned at the beginning you know the um um the, the darkness of winter um was something that got the Victorian imagination going wild and um, which is why we've got this ghost story in the first place but obviously something the culture something might have been happening at that particular period in time to really you know get that imagination running wild and we can't just assume that it was you know because it's like that kind of thing when you walk through a, a you know dark woods at night or something and uh you know you, you start wondering if something's following you or something we can't just assume it's that there might have actually been things going on um during that time um of a you know a, a paranormal nature or something that's invoked a paranormal nature uh, which might have got people to start thinking um you know more about the uh, the other world perhaps they really were seeing a lot more ghosts than you know what people might report to seeing these days so uh we're gonna have a little look at scary victorian shizzle 
yeah, so Dickens um, was obviously living in a very uh, troublesome time. Um, at the start of this podcast, we heard how the, the darkness of winter was a mysterious and at times sinister period for Victorians. Um, nothing new in the respect that all of humanity had and to some extent still does like, hold a fear of the dark. Uh, but I think it's fair to say that modern TV and movies have highlighted just how messed up it must have been at times living in the Victorian period. We see things like the motive of the mental asylum and all the th- all that that brings. And we see really, really messed up Halloween costumes. Just Google it, please. Um, uh, you know, lots of different factors going on that, um, you know, do tie into other factors that we've, you know, we've t- we've touched on in recent podcasts, such, for example, you know, people who have uh, perhaps undertaken some sort of spiritual activity in their house. Um, we've got the ghost back in the phone again, I think. You said spiritual activity. Spiritual activity, it's clicking loads. There we go, it's gone. It's Mm. come back. Yeah, for those, uh, anyone interested, that kind of actually sounds a bit like a spirit box. Um, I have a spirit box. It's a small piece of electronic equipment where it's kind of like a digital radio that sort of can pick up on on sound signals. Weirdly, it sounds exactly the same as that. Um, Even more weirdly, uh, I wish I could show you right now, um, I have a large doll in this room uh, at the moment, a few feet away from me, which has uh, been causing some havoc around my house. There's a video on YouTube. I will send you a. I'll put a link into that into uh, one of the tweets in the next day or two, if anyone's interested, um, where you can see some poltergeist activity. But that doll is in the room, and it's a few feet away from me right now. So perhaps that's got something to do with the digital interference we keep getting today who knows was that the, was that the doll you bought from russia um, <laughs> no no the lifelike one <laughs> dan no, not not now dan not now okay sorry <laughs> yes oh no but i do know the one you mean that was the one that i got with your regular user discount code that you gave me oh well you know and you've got to have some perks yeah um it has a couple of meanings to the word to the catchphrase on the back where it says plug it in i i just can't move for them anymore it's a problem i think it's getting a bit of a problem i'm actually sat on one now i, I made one into a chair <laughs> oh you know, too much the, 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 the flexi limbs are really useful can i hold your coffee um well this one is um <laughs> it's, you think it's cleavage i think it's a cup holder you know <laughs> tomatoes tomatoes <laughs> yeah, absolutely of- Talking of weird things, Dan, they had some weird mm. things going on in the Victor- Victorian period. Um, oh, and yeah. as, I, as I was saying before that digital interference, uh, mm. that, um, uh, you know, like we, where we've touched on other podcasts where sometimes people um, try and connect with spiritual forces in their house, you know, via something like a, a Ouija board or they've conducted some kind of satanic activity. Often that, you know, acts as some sort of portal or uh, some method of, of bringing in a spiritual being into their home. Now we know that in um, in Victorian period there was a massive rise in uh, in clairvoyancy, um, you know, for for public entertainment, um, things like that. So that that could be a factor, I guess. It could be. The Victorians were really into spiritualism. They seemed to it, it seemed to have, like you said, there was a spike in interest in ghosts and other ghostly things. Um, but so they did do some odd things as well, in a sense that uh, I guess when you take a peek into the past periods, 
you and forgotten trends, it can be quite startling. Um, one of those things that was passed that I found today when I was looking for, in preparation was something that uh, we could refer to as death photography. Ooh. It's one of the, one of those Victorian pastimes that have sadly become less commonplace. <laughs> so, so, as death was like you said, as death was reasonably more common back then, and photography was a new thing to the mate to the mid and late eighteen hundreds, people would snap their loved ones uh, a memento mori, if you will. Which, by the way, yes. memento mori, if you have heard of it, is yeah. uh, in anglicised, made into English, means remember, you must die. Oh. <laughs> 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 which I think is might meant to serve more as a reminder that everybody is mortal and will die rather than an instruction of some sort to remember um, that you're dead <laughs> remember you will die um, <laughs> before going to their final resting place families would grab a snapped snap with their deceased dad settle him down into it like onto the sofa as if he was alive <laughs> next to the kids it may be incredibly sad to think that this is the only chance a family might have to have a snap of their uh, loved one, you know, their great uncle yeah. Methuselah. <laughs> um, a, a genuinely, people might not have had the ability to have a photo taken with their family until they died. Um, so the death photography became quite a big thing for a while. Yes. Um, um, you you may have also just just briefly. I didn't write this down, but I had just thought about it. You may have seen that in the uh, what we can we now relate to as the Wild West, criminals that were killed. Um, you know, highwaymen Jesse James, etc. They would have had their photos taken, and mm. um, even Jesse James actually, as a dead person, went on tour. Oh crikey! I didn't know so, that. Yeah, he went on tour with um, the person that shot him. <laughs> dead <laughs> then took his corpse on tour and Lucky became me. very famous so uh photos were taken of him with him you know so, it's a do. great idea i really like the idea of taking you know like someone dies and you're all oh, gonna take them with me yeah we're gonna we we'll do a stage show hashtag selfie yeah indeed <laughs> just um yeah. very quickly you mentioned uh in fact it was uh uh quite poignant you mentioned uh that the great old uncle Methuselah. Methuselah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can never say his name. But um, uh, just a little fun biblical fact, if you can have such a thing. There is, uh, he's the, uh, according to uh, the Bible, he is the oldest person to ever live. Yes, yeah, I understand that. Although, to be fair, Noah had a good shot at it. He, he got pretty close, didn't he? Noah was like 900 um, when his wife was 13. So that's an age gap. <laughs> just just a bit it probably that's a really awkward some... meeting the parents is really awkward <laughs> yeah because it it takes three days for him to get out of his chair to go and meet them <laughs> so... yeah absolutely and they are already in the ground so uh, and been long in the ground no less not even just you know last week putting if you're 900 years old and your mm -hmm. parents die before you even if it's only 10 to 20% of your life, you're still taking flowers to a grave for a very long time. That's a lot of flowers. I never thought that's, that. That's a lot of flowers, in fact. So, yeah, mm. and also um, 887 years is quite a quite an age gap, isn't it? Yeah. Can you, <laughs> there's a lot we could unpack that. I feel that it might be digressing somewhat, but... <laughs> it could be. <laughs> <laughs> um this um this thing with um taking the photos 
Mm. I've seen some. I've seen um, you know. I've, I've seen this before. Um, you know, on, obviously on online and things. Um, and for any listeners, if you haven't googled it, um, I would do so. But just to, obviously a, a bit of a disclaimer, a bit of a warning. Some of the images are quite disturbing, especially when you consider that they are obviously real dead people, and not a great deal of people in the Western world. Uh, have seen um you know actual dead people um but th- there was there's something they used to do with them i'm sure you're aware of this dan where they they would um uh actually sometimes pose the person so rather than yeah, just having absolutely. like yeah because you'd see them sometimes in a coffin wouldn't you and there was like some famous american comedy sketches from like the 50s and 60s where there was a, i can't remember it there's someone someone might be able to let us know it, uh, there was a, a man who he was usually dressed as a cowboy or something like that and he'd have a dead relative in a coffin and he'd talk to them um and have them stood up and and, and this was based off of this uh, victorian uh, death photography so um uh, not to be mistaken yes. for victorian death photography where you just can't hear the camera being uh, being used plus victorian death photography was the name of my first death metal band <laughs> Um, I do have one last thing to uh, throw into the general chat. Yeah. Did you know that Charles Dickens, for at least a period, was a ghost hunter? Do you know what? I've heard about this, uh, but please. um, Well, let's cast your mind back to 1855. Oh, yep, I remember it. That was my mum's 30th, I think. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And Methuselah's 800. Anyway, um, (laughs) Two Royster Doyster types started the now still running Ghost Club, and yes. by 1862 had formalised it in the Big Smoke. Dickens, amongst others, such as the uh, the writer of Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan Doyle, who was really into spiritualism, yeah, just just out of interest to the point where Arthur Conan Doyle, no, I've forgotten his name, Arthur Conan <laughs> Doyle, yeah. was such a believer in spiritualism. Dude, he was friends with Houdini, and he was convinced that Houdini was um, like magic, proper, real magic. Yeah. To the point where Houdini told him, "I'm not magic," <laughs> and he he didn't. John and Doyle didn't believe him. <laughs> that, that's probably because at that point Houdini like went, "I'm not magic," and he like he clicked at his feet, and a big puff of smoke happened, and he disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> or he was just doing the overt winks that no one could see. And it's, <laughs> yeah. never, it's not been it's never been written down, but Houdini was like, uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, And Harry Price was also a member later of the Ghost Club. Ah, yes. Cool. Yeah, very um, famous. So, while Dickens was more into debunking ghosts and hauntings, it didn't hold him back. The club yeah. went on to debunk hauntings, such as the Davenport Spirit Cabinet, which played music when it was all locked up. Yeah. And he also, he went to uh, try and find ghosts at a house in Chessant, which was more of a situation where Dickens had a bet with another writer, but all the same, he still did it. <laughs> um, an interesting side note of that is that when they went to Chessant, not only did they not find a ghost, but they didn't find a house either. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, someone, I believe someone in the village said, well, yeah, there used to be a house here. Oh, all right. Anyway. The Ghost Club itself struggled a bit when Dickens died in 1870, but it did then come back up and become a lot more relevant. And like I say, it still exists now. Um, And there are offshoots of it in America where other clubs started that were a lot more prominent. Um, Dickens, I I would like to know. I mean, we found out already, but I had written this previously. 
I wonder if he came back as a ghost himself, but we know that because he's been interfering with this. Uh, I think that's proof enough, isn't it's, it? It's, it's absolutely proof. But there, is, there can't be any more proof. Just um, very quickly, you, you mentioned uh, Harry Houdini um, yeah. earlier on. Yeah. Obviously, he, he was a... Uh, he was known for being a skeptic, but did you also know that um, he was uh, he was also a firm believer in the paranormal and and the spiritual world, and the right part of his rationale behind being um, um, someone who was attempting to debunk, you know, certain things going on is because he was so convinced of his own particular experiences that uh, he felt that, and this is again going along with a couple of other prominent voices, and I wonder if, if Dickens was perhaps of the same ilk, was that um, they felt that, that a lot of these other, you know, sort of almost these particular acts and things like that that would come along, you know, and say, oh, we're definitely spiritual, that that was a way of almost cheapening the experience. Um, so uh, I, get, I guess it would be kind of akin to, you know, someone um selling you know selling god essentially uh you know coming along like um and you think of the old west as we've mentioned in the wild west a couple of times almost one of these um snake oil salesmen you know like where you had snake oil salesmen preachers going along you know i'm going to sell you this potion that's from god and you know and it and it kind of devalued what church was so uh, you know i wonder if dickens was perhaps of that same ilk that there, there is some, belief, yeah, absolutely. There's some discussion online as to whether that was the case, but mm. it does appear that he was more into the idea that things weren't what they were. Although he wrote lots of ghost stories, and he was quite fascinated by the whole thing, apparently. So. Yeah, because Harry Price is in that same category as well, though, isn't he? He was, mm. uh, you know, he, he he's what you know he's one of England's most famous um, ghost hunters. Yet is also one of the most profound was one of the most profound critics. So interesting stuff. Um, Dan, do you know what time it is? Is it time for Spirit of the Week? Spirit of the Week. It's time for Spirit of the Week. Hey, it's Spirit of the Week. Spirit of the Week. I do like Spirit of the Week, Dan. I do as well. I like it when it's a tasty spirit. <laughs> have you have you been tasting any spirits this week? Uh, well, that Charles, this Charles Dickens guy is very forceful with his advances. <laughs> is, is that what, is that what you mean? I kind of meant: Have you had any new whiskies or anything like that? I prefer oh, single malt whiskies okay. to blends, but there we go. So. There you go. Yeah, I thought for a moment you said super malt, and I thought I quite like super malt. I didn't realise it was that. <laughs> anyway, I have a spirit. I have a spirit this week. Do um, you? I have a spirit this week. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I, I'm going to start with mine. So, go on then. This one. I don't know if you uh, remember that I have mentioned a woman who got married to a ghost. Um. Uh, vaguely a couple of weeks ago oh, whenever we last week um there was a pirate ghost you remember? One, second. one second dickens is back uh, dickens, can you get out of my phone you're making it difficult for the listeners thank you sorry dickens is gone he's dickens <laughs> about <laughs> uh, right so I, I, like i say I, a couple of weeks ago when we last did it i discussed uh, a woman who got married to a, a man who was essentially jack sparrow Yes. Yeah. Well, 
I found another woman. Ooh. This time I've gone further back. And this woman um, is, uh, so I've gone back and I'm reading a copy of a, an edition of the Sunderland Daily Echo from 1901. Oh. Yeah. That is quite a bit, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's is a bit back. So this woman, Bessie Brown, uh, um, she lives in Cameron, Oklahoma. She's yeah. got married to a ghost. And this is what the article said. I'll read you an excerpt. Ooh. The minister went with Bessie last week into the graveyard where her lover was buried. And at midnight, the ceremony was performed, which united her ghost to the man whom she had promised to marry two years ago, but who was killed in a railroad wreck just a few weeks previous to the wedding. I believe after close study of the girl's actions that she truly thinks she is wedded to the ghost and that the apparition appears to her as naturally as if the spirits were still in the body. Mm. We are trying to do everything we can to make her forget her ghost, but it seems we are going to fail. Um, there's a bit more. Mm. Before the graveyard wedding, Miss Brown rented a cottage and furnished it for two. She is now living in it with her ghost husband. She can be seen sitting in the back porch conversing with an invisible companion and often walks around uh, along the street talking aloud to some person whom no one else can see. The town people are much excited over the matter. They all know Miss Brown to be a Christian young woman and one who would not deceive anyone for the world. <laughs> Most of them actually believe she's married to the ghost of her dead lover. Wow. But that's, that's the end of that. That's the 15th of January, 1901. Sunderland Daily Echo and Shipping Gazette. Crikey. Incidentally, I found this on a page, um, which is a newspaper ar uh, archive, and it's got like a, a list of crazy things in newspapers. One of them, 1951, fight with a giant rodent. <laughs> um, so, sounds like one. a regular occurrence down my road. Yeah. 1883, terrified to death by a donkey. <laughs> um, woman almost buried alive with a nice little picture. Uh, <laughs> no, that was like the original um, example of you know when people are, uh, there's like some terrible event going on or a fight and people just pull out their phones and start recording it. Was that the original one? You can yeah, imagine yeah, it's she's, a quick sketch. She's in this quicksand or something and like is slowly like suffocating and drowning in in this sinking hole. And I can imagine someone gets one of those big cameras where it's on a tripod and they pull a cloth over the top of their head. <laughs> oh, yeah. still, I get a blurry image otherwise, Dorothy. Yeah, yeah come on, 10 minutes. Um, and then the last one says Monster Shark in Scotland. And again, it's got a drawing, which has got a tiny little man on top of a, um, a monster shark. So <laughs> really good. I enjoy it. I, I like that page, but the, yeah, the woman who married a ghost. I did see another page that said that it was a five-bedroom house, and she would people would walk by and she'd just be inside chatting away. Uh, I think conventionally that's what we call a mental breakdown. But there you go. Possibly these people, these people yeah. believe that Bessie believes that she marries a ghost. So <laughs> who are we to say otherwise? Exactly. Yeah, that was. Uh, it, it is slightly bizarre. To say the least, I would I would yeah. love to have him investigated that house, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is going to oh. be my theme. I think every week I'm just going to bring a new spirit, and the spirit is actually going to be a dead a dead husband of some sort, <laughs> or, a, or a ghost pirate. Yeah, we need another another section, don't we? Like spirit pirate of the week, yeah. go spirit of the week. Dan, would you like to hear my spirit of the week? 
Yeah, I really would. Okay, well, prepare yourself for this one because this is this is top draw. Okay, now I know we try to stick to obviously uh, British ghosts if possible. Uh, you know, we do vet them to determine their uh, their nationality, even if they are demonic. Um, you know, it's like, well, I'm sorry, but did you originate in the UK? If not, on you, you know, on you go. Uh, but this one is uh, both British and not British because this spirit of the week is a spiritual being. So whereas we've touched on uh, most of the time, we usually obviously look at ghosts. Um, we don't always stretch out that spirit definition to include all spirits, which could include non-human beings. Um, we've mentioned about demons for the uh, obvious reason, because they're, you know, spooky and uh, fit the uh, remit of the show. But Dan, I've got a Christmas spirit for you. A Christmas one? A Christmas one. Well, it's not strictly Christmas, but it, it features quite a prominent role in the original Christmas story. So my spirit of the week is, drum roll, uh, is Archangel Gabriel. Archangel Gabriel, yes. Um, so weirdly, and I want to start with this because obviously I've, I know a bit about Gabriel, what with um, doing a, a doctorate in theology. But the thing Did is, you? is what, what, yeah, and I've not mentioned it. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> one, one thing um, that uh, is sometimes a bit odd is that the the catholic church obviously um it's the catholic church that uh, an, anoint people as saints you don't appoint some of the saints because um saint people can only become saints usually obviously once they're dead uh, but they say saint gabriel which is you know because it, they have to have a number of proven miracles in in their life to become a saint but the Catholic Church, on their actual, you know, their their actual official information, describes Saint Gabriel as Saint Gabriel, um, which is always confusing because, you know, <laughs> the, it, Gabriel isn't really strictly human. Gabriel is an, an archangel, which, um, uh, for people who aren't aware, an archangel is basically a senior angel. Um, there's actually three archangels. So, Dan, what is it that's tickling you? <laughs> I just like the idea of a senior angel, someone who's, uh, you know, he's, <laughs> he's been, if you think of it like an office, they're like assistant to the, the regional manager angel, you know. That's it. Yeah, he's got a little badge and everything. Anyway, carry on, sorry. <laughs> no, that's no, fine. I think in this instance, they get a uh, uh, a better company car. So, yeah, or, or faster transport back to earth. Anyway, St. Gabriel is an angel who serves as a messenger for God to certain people. Um, he's one of three archangels uh, who we're discussing just a moment. Uh, Gabriel was mentioned in both the Old and the New Testaments of the Bible. Uh, firstly, in the Old Testament, uh, Gabriel appears to the prophet Daniel uh, to explain his visions. Daniel's been having visions. Uh, he's in a bit of a pickle. Gabriel appears. Um and uh, Gabriel himself is described as one who looked like a man or looked like man, uh, I should say, not like a man, looked like man. So um, <laughs> he looked like Trevor. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, he, he appears, uh, I think, I think, I guess what they're trying to get across is not that he doesn't just look human, but um, can a appear to be many things to many people. So uh, I have a feeling that Gabriel has been, perhaps misunderstood or uh, not misunderstood, but misrecognized on a number of occasions. Um, you'd, you'd hope it wouldn't be misunderstood, would you? What would be, um, you know, uh, uh, 
about... Oh, that Gabriel is really misunderstood, isn't he? <laughs> and God's like, why did I appoint you as messenger? You, you know, your job is to communicate, and no one can understand you. I was just misunderstood, like. Yeah, absolutely. You're yeah. flouncing around in the corner, listening to gothic Gabriel. music. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> he's accidentally been made a, a Geordie, so now they just couldn't <laughs> understand what he said. I, I, can he understand me, Luke? Um, <laughs> so he's uh, Mary, what's canning on, love? Um, I, I can't was... explain your vision, Luke. When he first appeared, he, he spoke to Daniel whilst he was sleeping. So, um, oh. Yeah. Uh, there is a certain element actually about Gabriel. No offense, Gabriel, if you're listening, because I know you like to speak a lot according to the Bible, but I don't know if you listen a lot. Um, creepy. But it's a little bit creepy. He appeared to Daniel whilst he was sleeping. And as we're about to hear, he appeared to a teenage girl as well. Um, yeah. So, and then um, inseminated her through the ear, no less. Yeah, yes. Uh, so D- Daniel, Daniel walks his sleep. But in the New Testament, did you know that Gabriel, uh, well, first of all, he's described as an angel of the Lord. Um, rather than one Helpful. who looked like a man in the Old Testament. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's particular, though. When it says he's described as an angel of the Lord, um, it's uh, you have to sort of lose the impression that he, he's almost some kind of cherubal, cherubin kind of thing. You know, he's he appears with... That's to suggest that he appears authoritative, he appears um, as, uh, as strong, as um, obviously holy, that kind of thing. So... Um, so there's a bit of interpretation going on there with the Hebrew from the Bible, but he, he actually first appears to Zacharias um, in, in the new Testament, um, who is the father of John the Baptist. Um, for those who don't know their, their sort of their biblical um, narratives, um, John the Baptist, who a lot of people have heard of anyway, um, he, he's basically the, the uh, pre pre show to, to Jesus. So he's announcing, he announces he's, he's the uh, pre show. The yeah, so, yeah, he's the warm-up act for, for Jesus. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I, I, that's really good, bigging him up. <laughs> he's like, yeah. Going on, of the going Lord. into the Galilee, going, come on, make some noise. Woo. And he's like, you know, you might think I'm holy, but wait till you see this guy. You yeah, won't be yeah. worthy What's to... Talk about, sound. No- <laughs> talk about normative determinism. <laughs> you know, Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. The Baptist must have been thinking, well, we'll, get, we'll call this one John and we'll see what he does as a career. Yeah. I don't want to be a Baptist. I hate you. <laughs> I, I wanted to be. I wanted to be a Presbyterian. I would um, like to be. I want to be an electrician. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he would have been. He wouldn't have had work for a while, would he? <laughs> definitely a forerunner. No, definitely a forerunner. So, so. Um, basically. Um, he, he appears to Zacharias and uh, essentially, um, and I'm paraphrase, paraphrasing here, he turns up and says, listen, mate, you, you're going to have a uh, baby. By the way, um, you, your missus is about to fall pregnant um, with this uh, baby who's going to be John the Baptist, blah, blah, blah. And you're not going to be able to say anything um, until you see the Messiah. And, oh, um, imagine holding on to that secret. So he, you know, he's, he wants to go and speak to his wife, who is uh, called Elizabeth, um, and uh, he he wants he wants to say, you know, oh, I know about this, and she's she, funny enough, she gets visited as well, and there's, oh, there's all sorts of things going on, and uh, Gabriel appearing here. I know, uh, uh, no, she, I think she was well awake, 
Um, she's well when, awake. Well awake. But when she was six months pregnant, Gabriel appears again, unsurprisingly. Uh, the book of Luke in the Bible states that he, uh, he was sent from God to Nazareth to visit a virgin married to a man named Joseph. And we had right. a conversation on a similar akin to this, didn't we, last night, about there's a monument in, in the city where you live that we walked past where it, you would have like, it was a monument to people who passed away and you had um, uh, uh, the, you, it would be like the, the wife of Dave, the, you yeah, know, yeah, the yeah. <laughs> widow of Kevin. Yeah. So they would, they often get, didn't get named. Um, so there's, you know, it, it does scratch back quite a bit in history. So the, a virgin married to a man named Joseph, you know, you'd have to go around finding men named Joseph and like, you jo- know, Joseph, he, he's pretty unlucky as well, really, isn't he? I, I do feel for him. Because he gets yeah, married yeah. and he's on a promise and she says, no, nah, I'm not really into it. And then the first person who turns up in an angelic form, <laughs> rude. So, I re- I'm really just waiting for the supreme being. <laughs> well, the thing was, is that at this point, um, um, you know, Gabriel told Mary that she would conceive um, from the Holy Ghost and the baby will be the son of God. Um, after the annunciation of, Mar- of Mary, uh, Gabriel was not actually spoken of again. Um, this element kind of makes Gabriel an important spiritual being to mention at Christmas. I feel, you know, this is a, it, although he had appeared several times to several people, um, it's kind of pivotal in the, um, uh, you know, in the bringing about of Christmas, um, cause this would just be episode five and then there would be no content. There would be no, uh, ghosts of Christmas past, present or future. And there would be no Christmas. It's possible. I mean, just to take you back slightly, uh, yeah. as much as I understand what you're saying, he turned up at least nine months before Christmas. <laughs> so to, to link him to Christmas is a, is a bit much, but uh, I'm with you all the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah he, he rocks up and he's never mentioned again. Do you, are you sure that it was a ghost <laughs> and not just some bloke from down the street with a sheet on his head? Going, holy ghost, holy ghost. <laughs> I, now, I, I can't necessarily prove that, um, no, but no, I would indeed. imagine that there was a little bit more research done whilst putting together the, the story, because um, otherwise the, the, the flaws or holes in the story may... Mm. Have, uh, do you know what I mean? I, I do, <laughs> I do. Um, I've got a fun fact for you, whilst we're still talking about Gabriel. I'll judge whether it's fun. Archangel Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel is recognised oh. as the patron saint of messengers, telecommunication workers, and postal workers, <laughs> which is amazing because uh, he got really good, at, you know, at communicating messages. He spoke to a, uh, one of you know the history's most well-known prophets, Daniel, and then he appears to Mary, the mother of God, and announces that God is go- coming into the world in human form to save all of humanity and at some point you know what two thousand years later someone in the vatican went i'm gonna make you the patron saint of postal workers exactly. <laughs> and messages. gmail you did live messages really good like yahoo um <laughs> i i think credit is not being taken by mary here who you know as much as we're saying gabriel was pretty shit hot at delivering messages she was just pottering about some, you know, getting on with her day. She just got married. Joseph's like, come on, love, tonight, let's do it. 
I'm really, ugh, we're married now. Anyway, and then this angel rocks up. She's not seen anything else like it in her life, ever. Yeah. And what we're missing here is that she listened and she took all the information in and she oh, believed it and went, yeah. you know, Gabriel delivering the information. You know, that's fine. All right, fine. You know, he's delivered the info, but we don't know how much practice he had. Did he have little prompt cards? <laughs> he was he was stood there with his prompt cards going, hello, uh, flip the card, Mary, I am Gabriel. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that, oh, next sheet, <laughs> you know, he could have been really stumbling through it and getting, uh, but we just will never know. Are you suggesting it was a little bit like that guy who turns up? I don't know if you've seen the Christmas film Love Actually, when the uh, the man appears on the lady's doorstep with these like I want to call them flashcards. That's a lot and sexier than I imagined. Actually, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to take it down that way. I don't want to be you know disrespectful in this story. I was just wondering if it's that's how it appeared. Like <laughs> God said, you just need to let her know that I'm gonna you know make uh, you know she's gonna become miraculously pregnant. Um, well, this so it's like love actually. So Gabriel rocks up. He's got his his prompt, his cards with everything <laughs> written on. You are going to drop card. Be made impregnant, impregnated <laughs> by next sheet God. Yeah. And behind him, instead of a little jukebox tape player, there's a chorus of angels and Nephilim and other things just rocking <laughs> on, singing all sorts of songs that could be. You know, I don't know what sort of music would popular be popular in in. Uh, pretty much bc <laughs> bethlehem but well perhaps we're just misinterpreting it perhaps it shouldn't have been like uh it's not it wasn't romantic it was more it wasn't supposed to be it was just the fact that god although he'd sent him down and he was like look the only job he can do uh, i had to give him this position because his dad's important but the only you know the only position he can do is pass on messages and one of the other angels said yeah but he's got that weird geordie accent where no one can understand he just went ah oh. god goes oh go on then. send it with the cards. the cards yeah because yeah, you can imagine otherwise hello love why are you are about to get pregnant like <laughs> and she'll be like what? Oh, well, behind the bins what she's mason wouldn't she she gets well, yeah, pregnant He's up in his blue drink and he's got a dog in the pram. Um, but he didn't really have many other people to send, I suppose. He could have sent Lucifer, but that probably would have gone a bit wrong. Raphael, well, maybe. I'm not. What are the did, archangels are ready to go? Yeah, but did you know that um, he, his feast day um, is celebrated on the September, because he's obviously been made a saint, weirdly. Uh, his mm. feast day is celebrated on September the 29th along with St. Michael and the other archangel uh, as well, which is uh, St. Raphael, who's the patron saint of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And painting upside, and painting while you're laid on your back. Yes. Um, But um, obviously, Gabriel's not a ghost. Gabriel is a spirit. And, you know, spirits don't die. Um, So spirits uh, can be everywhere. And I would say, this is an unofficial fact, but I'm just saying it that I believe that Gabriel is said to haunt all those who are engaged, abstaining from sexy time and are under Roman rule. Uh, <laughs> I, I think with that, like, I'm, I'm, coincidentally, I'm abstaining from Roman rule. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't uh, I don't know if conservative rule um, counts as well. So uh, you know, there might be some more visitations from Gabriel this uh, this year. 
Let's hope so. Mm. I do need my ears do. Yeah. Dan, should we uh should we have a little bit of a look back at Christmas Carol? Because we need to tie this up and I've got something I think we need to look at. Go on. Okay. So, Dan, um, ultimately, obviously, we've been looking at A Christmas Carol and the ghosts and and the meaning of those, you know, because obviously when we've been looking at other spirits and ghosts and demons and things, um, obviously, we've looked at the nature of those things. But often there's a reason for those, you know, those those ghosts and spirits being there. Uh, Obviously, there was a reason for Gabriel uh, coming along. Um, But we know that with Dickens novel, a Christmas Carol that um, ultimately is actually about this life and not the next life. Although obviously he's using, you know, beings from the next life to emphasize that point. So um, I, I said at the the beginning of the podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about Marley, who's obviously Jacob Marley is uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's partner um, or was his partner during life um, who he conducted all of the business with. Um, Oh, and uh, is that him into the phone now? Well, Dickens, is that you coming through? Please leave the podcast immediately. Oh, he did. Thank you. I said, anyway, okay, I'll I'll carry on because I I think he wants (laughs) to talk about Marley before we actually end up getting visited by Marley. Um, Because for me, uh, Marley was um, uh, uh, an extremely important part behind uh all of it really because um marley wasn't necessarily symbolic of uh, i mean he, he is he is a symbol within it but um it's more about um his chain funny enough which is the symbolic element um so in that sense whereas the other ghosts are symbols of something and are like messengers a bit like gabriel where they're able to direct and advise and say what's happening or could happen um, Marley was in the true sense of the word a ghost you know he was a former person he's now dead and um, he's been able to unsettle uh, and go on to the to the next life fully so you know and he's been he's been told he's got to bring a message so um, Marley um, excuse me I have hiccups on the show um, mm. Marley's uh, the, the chain carried by the ghost of Jacob Marley is one of the most conspicuous symbols in the play or film or story. Um, he says, I wear the chain I forged in life. Was that too much like Scrooge? It was, wasn't it? I'm not um, sure. What it was was very posh. I think what you, you're aiming for is, I wear the chain I forged in life. Well, that's a bit too uh, movie, isn't it? It's a bit too like... No. I'll tell you what, he can... Yeah. Um, he can be Cockney for this, okay? okay. Jacob Marley yeah. can be like a car salesman dealer from Essex or East <laughs> London, okay? okay. So you've, you've got Ebenezer Scrooge. Hello, I was educated privately. And then, um, all right, mate, I wear the chain I forged in life. Danny Dyer is yeah. Jacob Marley. That's it. <laughs> I made it link by link and yard by yard. So when he was when he was alive, Marley spent his time in the pursuit of wealth rather than doing good for his fellow human beings. Mm. And his actions 
forge this invisible chain that was meant to bind his soul to the earth uh, so he can obviously move on to heaven or hell. Uh, and the greedier he became, the longer, longer and heavier the chain grew. Now, dead for seven years, Marley warned Scrooge that a similar fate and a longer, heavier chain awaits, uh, awaits him if he does not change these, his ways. Are you ready? Here comes Marley again. Yeah. Is this chain's pattern strange to you? Or would you know the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself, my son? It was <laughs> as heavy. <laughs> it was Marlene. As heavy. And as, Marlene, it was as heavy. <laughs> it was as heavy and as long as this seven Christmas Eve ago, you map it. You, you froghead, you have laboured in it since. It is a ponderous chain. You slag. You slag. <laughs> Do you repent of your wage, you slag? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but look, he, it was he was saying that this, you know, that Ebenezer, uh, after you know, when, when Marley had died seven years previous, he, he could see Ebenezer's uh, chain, so it was already on him in some way, but he couldn't feel it because obviously it's spiritual, and 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 Ebenezer is still very much in the land of the living. But um, interestingly, Marley could see the weight of uh, Scrooge's impending spiritual burden. Um, and he was saying it was as heavy and as long as it's seven Christmas Eves ago. You have laboured in it since. It's a ponderous chain. Interesting. Um, do you think we've got some chains on us, Dan? I do. Uh, clearly, we're um, what the story means, like you say, you know, very clearly that it's about trying to divest yourself of being bound to things and objects and mm. meaningless things that don't um, have any real resonance uh, and actually try and get back to who we are and what we are bound to in terms of our family and where we're from and who we, who we engage with and, and what our family is in a sense that it's not just blood relations, but other people that, you uh, engage with on a day-to-day -day basis and, and people that have passed through and you should try and connect with everybody, I guess. So that's what it's yes. about, isn't it? Definitely. And it's a, it, it's that opportunity to reflect, isn't it? You know, we, and hopefully reflecting without having the need to be visited by, um, well, in this instance, four different ghosts, um, you know, to, to yeah. remind us of, um, you know what? It, it, was, it was simple things because none of them turned up and said, "Do you know what, Scrooge? You shouldn't be doing any business, or you shouldn't be working, or you shouldn't be." It's a very short book. Yeah, they they t they t you know they turned up and said, um, "It's about your attitude. It's that life attitude. It's that heart attitude." Um, and uh, as um, I'm, I mean, I, I I don't think I I originated this. I think it might have been some rapper. It's probably Snoop Dogg or something. And they said, a little less attitude, a little more gratitude. Nice, and I think, nice. yeah, it's good, isn't it? And um, I, I don't know what rapper said that. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm, I don't, I'm not claiming to make that up. I think I heard it when I was about 10. Either way, I, I think it works. Um, but it's, it's having that. And, and I think that's what we really mean by really the, the ultimate spirit in all this, the ultimate spirit, um, which would be the, the spirit not to be mixed up with the ultimate warrior, the former WWF wrestler, um, but the, the spirit of Christmas. And that, that is the spirit of Christmas. Um, it's not the spirit. Uh, the, it's not the reason for the season, which we've looked at, you know, um, Mary and Joseph, and more importantly, the baby Jesus. Um, but it's the, the spirit of Christmas. Um, and uh, I think that's really ultimately, you know, we're, we're having a, we're having a feel good week this, this week on, on the podcast, because 
let's face it, what's going on around the world at the moment, um, especially here in the UK with the way we've got lockdowns, but we know people suffering all around the world, is that um, it's it's a good opportunity to take stock, I think, um, of what we have got rather than what we haven't got to, uh, you know, to be grateful for those things. Absolutely. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, we, we, you know, we can't finish without having one more terrible joke. So in the spirit of Christmas, Dan, mm-hmm. let's wrap, wrap it up there. Uh, <clears throat> it's more of a terrible right. pun than a terrible joke. Yeah, he is, isn't it? Ah, we'll, just, we'll just end awkwardly then. Yeah, so, let's do it. So thank you so much for listening again. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, please, if you get the opportunity, if you listen to this and we know you're out there because we can see the numbers, could you please, 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 for our Christmas present, we don't make anything from this, but we would really like to connect with as many people as possible. If you could do us the favour uh, this week of sharing this on a couple of platforms, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of them, or any other networks that you might use. We would really, really appreciate it. Do connect with us. Um, Thank you so much uh, from myself. Goodbye, Dan. Bye. Bye. um, And we wish you a very Merry Christmas. Take care. Speak soon.